cliffcentral.com. All right, all right, all right. We have a busy morning ahead of us, and we have the burning platform this morning, which, of course, is here every Thursday. It's our chance to get into some of the big stories that affect all of our lives, and we have to join us this morning, I'm very pleased to say, None other than Rob Hutchinson. You know what, Rob? It's been a long time since we've had you on the show. It's nice to see you again. It How is. are you? What's happening? Oh, a whole lot is happening, Gareth. I don't even know where to start, but it has been too long, and I think uh, we'll definitely catch up during during the show. Well, uh, let me just remind everybody who's wondering, you're a creative strategist, founding director of Outer, uh, also founder of the proudly e-tag free, which, I mean, I still don't know how anyone ever got an e-tag because I never did. I was never convinced by that nonsense. But well done to you for that because I think that was the first real expression of like public disagreement with just being told what to do. And we need to see a lot more of that. It was, yeah. I love it. Also Deputy General Secretary of COPE for a while, founder of the public participation, participation platform, Dear South Africa, which we have to talk about, Pumi, because our producer, Dory, almost got caught out <coughs> because there is a fake Dear South Africa scammer call center that is operating. But Dear South Africa is still running and you're still there. Yes, yeah, the yeah. platform's still running, dearsouthafrica.co.za. Um, it still does exactly what it has done since 2018, provide a facility for the public to have their say on, on various matters. Um, that the government does put out, and we know they put out quite a few changes in amendments and so on, and it just expresses the voice of the public directly through to to government. Um, it has been running. I'm still running it. I founded it. Mm. It's it's still uh, hugely popular. There was a split in in the organisation. Everywhere you go, there's a split. Cope, yeah. uh, dear South Africa, Alta. <laughs> maybe you're the uh, ingredient here that causes you, the you split. You are the wrong. common denominator. It could, yeah. it could be. Maybe I'm just too good, and I just. Uh, okay. <laughs> they like, take one look at Rob, and they're like, "No, we got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah, well, we got to get him. Out. So, what happened in the split, at dear South Africa? Yeah. So they. It was. It was a hostile takeover. There's. There's no doubt about that. And um, one of the directors. One of the suppliers, which was a call center, uh, pushed um, uh, a lady by the name of Chloe on, onto the board. And she used to help out quite a bit, but eventually she became a board a board member. And then um, as soon as she became a proper board member, uh, they, they, they conspired to push me out. And as soon as they pushed me out, she appointed her husband and his business partner who owned the call center. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they started their own website, which is a, a separate thing. They started that in February in February of this year. And, and what are they doing? Just taking people's money? Yeah, that's so, pretty much it. So Jesus. very important. How then do people know which is the true Dear South Africa and which is not? Very simple. The one that actually sends comments to Parliament. And that's dearsouthafrica.co.za. DSA.co.za. Yeah, DSAfrica.co.za. And the other one is fake. The other one, well, as far as I can tell, we've done extensive research on it. I've checked with Parliament. They don't receive any comments from from that. Okay, and and, and they, but they call themselves Dear South Africa. Just make sure you got the right one, everybody, if you want to support this. And they, because this is how Dory almost got uh, caught out, because they were asking for donations, which. An interesting conversation that's currently going on. How do you fund your NGO? Well, exactly. Well, mine at the current, at the moment is not an NGO. Mm-hmm. It is a for-profit operation that sells mostly advertising space. So, if people want to donate to it, there is also a facility 
where they can donate. But I would never phone people and sign them up to debit orders and so on. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I don't like the whole stigma around debit orders and forcing yeah. people to to sign up to monthly to a monthly contribution. It really it's, it doesn't work with me. And okay, it's also so not a very good business model because it's you tend to shift away from your nonprofit objective and focus more on making money sustainably, which then eventually just gets used to pay salaries and so on, where instead of going towards the cause or taking government to court on certain legislation or so on, and it just becomes a, a for-profit business instead of you know, serving, serving the public. So I've kept it uh, mm. as, a, as a non-profit. It functions like that wholly. It always, always will be. As I said, if people want to contribute, they can. But otherwise, I sell advertising space on it through a, through a for-profit company. All right, well, let's get into some of the things. Look, but first, before, because Bhagavantu walked in here yeah. very triumphantly yeah. yes. to say, <laughs> you called it wrong when you were last together, the three of you, about Ace Mahashude. No, Gareth was skeptical. I, I will defend the man. The man was skeptical. He said he will take Mr. Hutchinson's uh, caveats, because he had a lot of caveats, but this mm. was adamant, no. Ace Mahashur will never be led out to pasture. They will never no, let him I out. I said he will not leave, which he did not. He was thrown out, <laughs> which is a very <laughs> big difference. Yeah. It's a Semantics. difference. Semantics. Semantics is turning left and you So what are you saying, Bakavanta? Who was right and who was wrong since we're playing a game of who, who knows no, I'm more? I'm saying they were both wrong. <laughs> so let's carry on the playing platform, Gary. All right. <laughs> hey, All right. Hey, very good. I, I, I distinctly remember saying uh, the question was, would the ANC split? Uh, okay, they didn't split. Yeah, they for, didn't split. Uh, an offshoot formed. <laughs> <laughs> are they? Are they going to? It they, not okay, so if if the ANC did split before this election, highly unlikely that they would. But that would be seismic. I mean, that would completely change the the playing field. It would not. Oh, would you not. don't think so? Yeah. <laughs> however, it split 70, so, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50. However, it did. Of course, it would. You'd suddenly have. Way more options on the coalition front. Yeah. So we look cope. at we yeah. look at numbers. Have another cope. Oh no, we don't want that. <laughs> you guys fooled me once. Don't <laughs> fool me again. <laughs> but we we look at at the numbers, voting numbers all the time at our organization, and and one of the the biggest, if you want to call it a split, one of the biggest kind of offshoots that have happened mm. in the past ten years has been the EFF. Sure. And. And what that looks Probably like. Probably the most successful offshoot. The most successful right. one. But what that looks like is it looks like the number of people who voted for the ANC before there was the EFF and the number of people who voted for the ANC plus the EFF is the same number. So the two million odd people who voted for the EFF came from the ANC. There are no new voters in the system. Again, no. again, so, like we discussed with Corne Mulder not so long ago, who is attracting and what is going on with all those people who are registered and are not voting and the ones who are unregistered and are not voting? Do you <laughs> think you know, Rob? I don't think anybody knows at this stage. I think most people... And where are they? Are these, do these people even exist? Are they made up? Because they can't be this completely unrecognizable to the political situation in this country. There can't be no one going for them. Yeah. And how come we're making so few conversions? I mean, Christ, missionaries did better in the, in the 1800s. That's very true. Oh, my Go that's on. Very, that's very true, yeah. I, really? I, I, think, I think that's... No converts. 
no converts whatsoever. I think people have just given up on voting. Maybe they don't trust politicians anymore. And who can blame them, really? I, I, I also would question voting in the next elections. Who do I vote for? I don't who, think who people have for? given up voting. People have not given up voting. If you consider the fact that the median age in our country is 27, mm. those young people have just not been given enough reason to vote for the people but, that are there. All right, but we talk about those people every week. My point is you can take the horse to water, but you mm. can't make it drink. Maybe no. these people just aren't even interested. Maybe they're never going to be interested. It's a philosophical question, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, Politics is based on love and hate. So you either vote for something you love or you vote against something you hate. But now people think that the opposite of love is hate, but it's not. It, the opposite of love is apathy. People don't care. So how do you make people care? That's the question you're asking. And what do you think these people care about if they care about anything so that we can start to get them to care about participating in democracy before that project gets shelved and autocracy comes in the back door. Well, well, 30 years has shown us that we have nothing to be, nothing to care about. We don't have nationalism. We don't have patriotism. We don't have all these things. So that is caring, putting caring back into the system. That's what the youth needs to start focusing on, not start focusing on driving Vurpaz. But anyway. I, th I think you're onto something there because <laughs> you said the youth. And uh, as you said, the median age is 27. What's the median age of, of our politicians? Uh, hundreds. Exactly. It's hundreds. It's close on hundreds, definitely. But that is the difference there. It's, it's the 27-year-olds and below who have no confidence in the old people who are, uh, have no clue of what the young people want. So they just don't vote. Well, they don't have any skin in the game either because they don't participate in the economy necessarily. Mm. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a, a, a something to go and fight for yeah. like their parents or grandparents' generation did because there was no option True. for them. I think that it's a combination of these factors, but it is getting frustrating that we keep talking about them and mm. we're not making any progress. No one is. None of these political parties seem to have a strategy for getting to these people. Right? Yeah. No, none of them. Except do. the EFF. And that's perhaps why the EFF was so out of the box successful, is because they appealed to the younger crowd. Jules Mlemo was in, in his early 30s. But as Pumi said, all those voters came from the ANC. He, all of them. He appealed mm. to the ones that were within the ANC. We, we talk about the EFF quite often. And the fact that they are unable to translate their message into something that the majority of young people care about enough for them to show up to the polls for the EFF. I mean, they, they hit their mm. ceiling probably five, six years yeah. ago, and it hasn't grown up a, a whole lot since then. There aren't new people joining all the time. They spent all their money now on this thing at FNB a couple of weeks ago. They don't have any money left to register voters. Is and that a bad strategy or was it a good strategy? Because it certainly made waves during that week, but what's that going to help you a year before the elections? Yeah, it's not going to help you at all. And 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 their their crowd is getting older as well. Yeah, yeah you you can't be a revolutionary <laughs> at seventy years old. It's kind of no. a sad, sad and depressing picture. All right, <laughs> so I mean, you know, Julius was famously in the youth league well into his thirties. Uh, where does youth stop? Who knows? <laughs> all right, so uh, Bakabantu, I know you've got lots to say about this, but let's just talk about one thing in South Africa that comes up and affects all of us. It comes out of our petrol money, and by petrol money, I mean every time you pay for fuel at the the pump, there is a huge percentage of that that goes directly to the road accident fund. 
Now, this is a bizarre concept. I don't know where it came from. Maybe Rob can enlighten us on this. But essentially, uninsured people and vehicles on the road are covered by this state-run insurance scam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, And it is a scam because it's run extreme, extremely badly. It's always running out of money. It's making, and, and I know people, I know lawyers who are doing settlements for the RAF, for people who've been genuinely injured, you know, young kids who've been hit by cars, people whose whole life has been disrupted by an accident, mm -hmm. who have no earning potential. The, the, the quanta are small. These are not, we're not talking about large settlements you know, in the millions and millions for people. Mm -hmm. Somehow the system is rotten to the core. It doesn't work. Why people aren't insured is probably because they don't have money. But the idea that we can have 60% of our vehicles or something on the road that are uninsured, mm. it's ridiculous. <laughs> so where does all of this get solved, Rob? What, what, do you, what do you feel about the road accident fund and how can you enlighten us on how it may be better managed? Well, uh, as, as well as the government can, and that's to propose a total reform of the road, road accident fund. However, that is exactly what is on the cards. They are proposing a complete reform of it. I think about uh, two rand sixteen on every liter of petrol goes towards the road accident fund, which equates to about forty-two billion a year, which is an incredible amount of money. Yet the road accident fund is in debt to about three hundred billion, and that's done on cases that that it owes lawyers and, and of course, uh, uh, the head of the road accident fund himself um, says that it's due to unscrupulous lawyers abusing the system and you know, effectively raping the system, stealing money out I of it. I wouldn't put it past lawyers, but, yeah. <laughs> but I also Listen, wouldn't. I watch a TV show called uh, I Blew It, and almost every week there's at least, they, they have like two stories a week, and it's, it's really it's about people who get large sums of money mm. and then proceed to blow it. And almost every week there is at least one person who has received millions from the road accident fund and they continue to blow it, you know? So I don't know if well, that's, that's one of the things that are actually changing in what proposing in, in, in the new changes or new amendments is no longer will you receive a lump sum of money. They're moving towards a more social benefit system instead of a insurance payout system. So you'll uh, get the, the healthcare that you need at a government facility for as long as you're alive and as long as you need it. There's no more uh, social benefits. There's, I mean, there's no more um, like feel-good benefits or pain and damages. You can't claim for pain and damages and suffering anymore. Your family, if, if you are uh, killed in a motor car accident, your family can no longer claim on from as compensation from, from the fund. So there's a whole lot of and I'm, uh, issues I'm, around. But I mean, I'm sure, Rob, that the lawyers do abuse the system as Definitely. well. There are many right. lawyers who abuse the system. Definitely. There's no doubt about it. They, because, because the uh, claims on, on pain and suffering uh, are currently unlimited, you can put any amount to it. And it's hard to quantify those costs mm. and those pain, All right. pain and suffering. Mm. So, so who, who's, Collins Litsualo is in charge there, right? Mm. And Collins Litsualo's background, really? what do we know about Collins Litsualo? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious because these are the people in charge of these places and we, we don't seem to know how someone who is in charge of 40 billion rand every year, mm. we don't know much about him. We, 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 yeah. we talk about you know uh, the CEO of a small medium enterprise 
who uh, we, we know the name of these people. We know the people who founded companies in this country, but we don't know this guy. 40 million rand a year he's responsible yeah, for. 40 billion. Is what do we know about him? 40, 40 billion. billion. I, I don't know anything about him, as, as you say. That's, Mysterious. I know his name, and I know he's a CEO. That, that's about it. But do, there is do you a bunch know about anything about him, Pumi? Well, is not a good you know thing, that man? list that list no. of uh, cadet employees? Yeah. yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> this is where you would find such names. Uh, do you know the, anything about him, Bakabantu? I have no idea who this guy is, yeah, but he's right. probably on that list that okay, you guys so were talking about. We should be worried about that for starters. Mm. How would you like to see it reformed? It's probably not going to happen the way you want it to be reformed, but what would you suggest are the right things to do here? I think better management, well, first of all. So let's find out who Collins Letswalo is and see if he's actually doing his job. But I've just asked you guys. You can't know. even tell me who Collins Letswalo <laughs> exactly. is. Exactly. I had, pr- had to provide you with the name, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and that's the problem, first of all. We don't, we don't know. There needs to be better oversight. And maybe it's not government oversight, but private body oversight into the distribution of funds through the road accident fund, how claims are processed, if they are validated, or if lawyers working together with the Road Accident Fund members themselves or people within the Road Accident Fund have a syndicate going, which is more than likely the case. There can be so many fake claims. We've seen um, lawyers, ambulance chases, that'll, that'll mm. you know, in a, if a taxi has an accident, there's 16 people inside there, hopefully, that, <laughs> that, will, that will need to claim from the Road Accident Fund. Mm. Who's handling those? Are they genuine cases? Are they blown out of proportion? Because that's all abuse of, of the funds within the system. I don't think there's any oversight currently happening, which has led to 300 billion rand in, in, in debt. Well, we do know that and- Collins was appointed by Cabinet. Cabinet decides who's the CEO of the Road Accident yeah. Fund. It also appears, and I'm going to put a picture of him up here because he's so mysterious and we need to know these things, that he's like 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, forgive me, but either he has the best skin uh, care regimen in the whole world or else he's like no, fresh out of school. Pumi, look at this picture. <laughs> let me show you and you can decide for yourself. All right, this is Collins Letsualo. Are you ready, everybody? Here it is. Pumi, just share this picture with Rob. There we go. Look at that. Yeah, the one it. that I pulled up looks slightly different. I mean, he, looks, uh, he looks in yeah. great shape. So I don't know whatever he's doing, I want to know. <laughs> but I, I know. So these these um, these changes that you speak of, because they they have to go through a particular system. Because the road accident fund mm-hmm. is also an an acted in uh, parliament. That's how yes. it is. Yes. So what what can ordinary people like me and Bagabandu do? Uh, to have our voices heard, where do we find out about this legislation mm. and where is it in the process of snaking through Parliament? Well, normally you'd have to go and read through the Government Gazette and then go to the Department of Transport and find all of these these documents. But I have created a, a campaign on dsafrica.co.za. All the documents are there, uh, the previous act, the current act, the suggested amendments. There's also a summary which has been provided by a consortium of lawyers who are challenging the uh, implementation of the new uh, proposals in in the Road Accident Fund. Um, there's a, quite an extensive summary, and there's also a pricey version, which I've distributed amongst amongst everybody, all, all subscribers. Um, there are some extremely concerning points with within it, yeah. um, which do affect us all. If, if for instance, um, there's a hit and run. You're injured in a hit and run. And the driver drives off. 
you can't claim from the road accident fund at all, which to me is extremely worrying. There's a lot of uh, hit and runs that you have. How do other countries do it? They don't do it. They don't. So why do we have this? This is true. Where does it come from? I mean, this is. it sounds like a shit idea from the start. It sounds yeah. like a state-owned responsibility co-op uh, co- where, you know, it's not up to people to insure their own cars or to not walk across a highway um, because we're almost abdicating personal responsibility at the instance that we create a thing like this. No, yeah. it's called, uh, so I did insurance and risk management. So it's called, uh, I did a course actually, I didn't even finish it, but it's called. You're more mysterious than Collins Litzwalo. <laughs> so, so, so it's, called a thir- it's called a third party insurance. Yes. So it's to cover the people that are, that don't have insurance like you've put or you've pointed out, right? Mm-hmm. So we, in South Africa, we have this unwritten policy where the rich pay for the poor. So if you can afford petrol, you're going to pay for the people who can't, right? So you, you're paying for the pedestrians. The car people pay for the pedestrians. And you get nothing in return. And you get nothing yeah, in return. Right. It's an unwritten like, yes. like, like thing. It's a, that it's a kind of a shadow kind of socialism. Yeah, it's shadow yeah. socialism that we have all signed up no. in South Africa, well, I right? I well, that's you why signed I que- up. That's <laughs> why I question this. No, I think it's absolutely bullshit. That's why I think it's a bad policy. Yeah, it's a bad policy. That's why other countries don't do it. So the road accident fund takes from the rich and gives to the poor. That's what it's supposed to be. But now people like, like Sir has pointed out, people have abused this thing. And p- lawyers have ambulance chased this thing because this thing has gone unregulated sure. for so long. So besides the hit and run thing, I support the changes, the amendments. Mm. I, you can't claim for hitting someone in your parking lot because private areas are also excluded from the amendments. Yes. They're like, uh, you, if, if someone gets hit in your driveway, you can't claim from the road accident fund. That's mm. a pu- private road. That's not a public road. So why are you claiming from a public fund? Mm. Yeah, so you see, it's stuff like that where the system does need a lot of regulation. So okay. Collins Lutualo, I think he's onto something there. <laughs> there there's right. one thing that, that worries me about the road accident fund. Yeah. Currently, um, medical medical aids. Uh, if if you claim from the medical aid because you've been sent to hospital for because of a road accident, uh, you the medical aid then claims back that expense from the road accident fund. <laughs> so they get paid twice. It's a pyramid scheme. They get paid it's twice. They get paid by scheme. you and they get yeah. paid by the it's state. It's a pyramid that's scheme. Right. <laughs> so that's falling away in the in the new amendment. Uh, I, I don't. Sorry, Bakabanti, your your mic is making this buzzing noise. So I keep right. switching you off by mistake. So, Go ahead. So no, but like the but like medical aids won't be a problem once we have the NHI, right? <laughs> oh yeah. There's another thing. There's another thing that we'll trust these brilliant people who've been running the road accident fund to run properly. Yes. It's just an absolute joke. All right. Let's leave that alone because it's a rabbit hole that we cannot actually afford to go down. And let's wait for the legislation to go through, as Pumi says, public participation, if there's still time for us to do that. But I mean, again, we can't even get people to vote. How are you going to get them to participate in amending a, a, a bill? This is true. Most people don't even know that the government gazette is an actual thing. <laughs> all right? No, we all found we, out during we have COVID. no We have no civics <laughs> in this country when it comes to education. We do not teach people what the constitution is. We don't teach them about the various chapter institutions. Mm-hmm. We don't teach them what participatory democ- democracy is actually all about. We don't even show them where they can get involved. And the fact is, even if we did, I think most South Africans would go yes. like they do with everything. And then they complain about the result. Yes, You get the government you deserve. Listen, most people just want things that work and they want their lives to just But continue. they're not prepared to do anything themselves to make sure that those things work. They must just <laughs> magically work. Right, Pums? 
Uh, was that an earring that just popped? That is, yes, that is an earring. <laughs> right. Well, state of the that nation, is. right there. So yeah. let's look at another area that is potentially just a an obstacle course of fuck ups that is on the horizon, and that is Pravin Gordon, who's so far mismanaged and destroyed such value in our economy for so long. For so long, and he keeps his job. And he threatens people from the shadows and he pops his head up somewhere and says something socialistic and then disappears again. He is a, he's like a poison dwarf in this uh, fairy tale. Okay, Why is this man being allowed to promote the idea of a big state-owned company, one state-owned company to rule them all, <laughs> when all the little ones that he hasn't been able to manage are disasters each in their own individual yeah. and several ways? It is a big problem, Gareth. And when I, when I saw this bill coming out, I was, I was actually quite horrified. What he wants to do is get rid of his ministry. So he, he no longer wants to be the minister of public enterprise. Can you blame him? Or he, yeah. or he, he just has to constantly run around lying about things. 100%. And he doesn't know what's going on in all of them. The corruption is so deep within all of them that the, the report that he gets is absolute rubbish. Oh, everything is fine, but speaks to people. Why at do the we think, but, but why do we think that the report that he gets is flawed. Why do we not think that he is part of the problem? Oh, people love Pravin because he's effective, they say. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what they I mean, said. Pravin Gordon they was, said that with SARS, remember? He, he was very effective as commissioner. And ever since then, he's had this clean bill of health from the intelligentsia of this country, clearly who are not intelligent enough to probe any of this stuff. All of these years, all of these years, and the, for me... In the wake of Pravin Gordon, almost everywhere he's been has been a clusterfuck. And yeah. yet, for some reason, he's just like Teflon. Nothing sticks to him. Yeah. He's still seen as this, like... He's a smooth talker. I've, I've met him twice. He's an absolute smooth talker. And he, he skirts around issues, never answering questions. He's, he's, he's a consummate politician. He's a, he's a straight-up communist, and he'll oh. tell you he's, he's oh. a communist. He is. He's a member of the Communist yeah. Party. Yeah. Right. And that's what he pushes all the time. And in, in communism, you don't question the leaders. You don't question the bourgeoisie. That, that's, that's who they are. They, but they're infallible. And he takes on that persona, and people believe him and push him forward. He's been seen as the soft, approachable teddy bear. Grandfather. Velvet glove yeah. over an iron of, fist. Exactly, and that's that's his persona, and that's what they. So w w he wants to get rid of the ministry and then replace it with what? With a state-owned entity which owns all the other state-owned entities. <laughs> so a holding company. A holding is that company. what it is? It's exactly a holding. Jesus, company. he knows a lot about business for a communist, huh? Yep. Crony and what would his crony role capitalist be? should really be the term we use here? What would his role be in this situation? Pumi wants to know. Uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have a role in the situation. His ah. ministry would fall apart, and he would step down as as a minister. Just in time uh, to retire and take shares in that holding company. Correct, because the shares will be dealt out, and then the minister uh. determines who the shareholders Jesus, are. You can read these people like a book, huh? Yeah, and wow, the, the minister then determines who, uh, who, or sorry, Parliament determines who the board members are mm. of this of this entity, 
and who the shareholders are and who manages the shares and who deals out the shares and the share price and so on. There's like that list again with the cadre deployment. He's like a stupid person, Sauron from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> this is what he is. This is what killed me when Cyril announced this. He's like, oh, the, we will decide who the board members are. I'm like, so what's the difference between that and cadre deployment? Correct. And, they, and this happens in the same week where they literally defeated the bill that was supposed to remove cadre deployment. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, so you guys are going to create a company to fix a another company that you guys already messed up. I don't know. It's insider trading and it's so blatant. I don't know how we still put up with it in South Africa. I don't know how people don't know and they don't, they're not, they don't care to get involved. To they're yeah. not prepared to get involved again. I'm sorry if I'm sounding really mean this morning, like Pumi was with the Zimbabweans the other day. <laughs> I'll never forget. Pumi, Pumi and JJ Tabani were very mean about this. About, well, you weren't. You were just telling them they must take responsibility. I'm saying the same thing. If you're a South African, you're listening to this show now. And if you're not listening to the show now, that's your first mistake. Because this is actually where you're going to hear what you need to hear. Yeah. Second thing you should do is get involved. Mm. Pumi, you've been saying this for the longest time. You cannot complain about things if you're not prepared to get involved in the process. Otherwise, you will get the government you deserve. And if you do nothing you'll get nothing in return and sometimes less than nothing. Yeah. So where are we with this proposal? So at the moment, it is still just a proposal. And what would the steps be? It's not even a proposal at this moment. It's actually in, in action. Okay. There's a draft act that has been written to govern it, to take care of it, to say how it should run and who should be involved. And that's all out for public comment right now. Um, can, can we send a roll of toilet paper as our comment? Because then I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. How do people comment? Please help us, Rob, because again, people again, don't know. DearSouthAfrica.co.za. And you will funnel that through to Parliament for us. Every single comment goes through. As soon as you click send, it is. And we don't have to pay to play. You don't have to pay to play at all. all and right. please, please, people do go. I, you get a lot, I get a lot of people who say, what's the point in commenting? They don't read it anyway. They do. They, they do have to. read it. They have to, by law, acknowledge it and consider it. And I make sure that they do. I instruct Parliament to put an autoresponder on the uh, receiving email address so that they, uh, the person who's participating actually gets proof that it's been sent and delivered through to Parliament. I then do a summary, which I present to Parliament. And I present the voice of the people to Parliament. So the voices are heard. You're like a tribune of the plebs. Yes. <laughs> in ancient Rome. No, it's not an insult. That's right. It's a very important position. Uh, Rob, and yeah. I just want to know. On so my soapbox. On those, you know, so of the comments, on your website, you have got the draft yes. that is proposed. Yeah. And what kinds of comments do you get and what kinds of comments are you looking for? Looking for constructive comments. So not comments that are just bashing the government the whole time. That's not productive. Looking for comments that offer suggestions alternatives or say that something is wrong within this bill and this is how it can be amended. Remember, it's not a petition. It's not a protest. It's actually So what is the most engagement. effective way to comment? How do, how do we get our comments to make a positive difference? Because as you rightly say, we can't just sit there and complain, oh, well, you know, Provin's a poison troll. Mm -hmm. We have to actually mm -hmm. say, this is how we envision that this could better be man managed and administered yeah. and, and set up. That's exactly it, Gareth. No more than that. So provide solutions. So, so, so fill the vacuum where there's no thinking in the ANC with your own good ideas. Absolutely correct. And every person in this country can do this. Yeah. 
Every person. And you're right, every person can do it, from the topmost businessman to the most intelligent academic to, uh, to the lowest of the low. That, that is it. Everybody has a different point of view. And some great suggestions come from absolutely everywhere in society. We're all exposed to different environments. We all have a different opinion of why something will work or why something won't work. And that's what government wants to hear. Or rather, should I say, that's what government should hear. Mm. And, Rob, I mean, it sounds to me a little bit like a, a co-created, like a Wikipedia of sorts. Right of mm-hmm. South Africa's like solutions, South Africans' solutions to some of the things that are out there. In your experience, what is one of the most effective ways that we can crowdsource these kinds of solutions besides just me in my room spending hours on your website? Well, I haven't seen anything else of this nature, to be to be honest. Uh, government does hold public uh, hearings where they invite people to go and give oral presentations. Oh, my God, those must be awful. They are terrible. Because people never know when to shut up. They, they, are, they are absolutely <laughs> terrible. And also people don't quite understand the point of it. So it turns into a, a bitching and moaning session about the government and service delivery and veers off topic so so quickly. And they only have a limited time. They can only hear a certain amount of people if you don't get to uh, talk. Well, sorry, sorry for you. So the written submissions to me are far more effective because I am the oversight body. How, how seriously do they take them? They take them very seriously. So the uh, have you seen actual evidence that yeah. it can it can inform policy? Yes, absolutely. and change law. Absolutely, a number of times, Gareth. Yes, a number of times. You have an example for us? Just uh, one. NHI has been been one of them. So they've okay. been listening to that. The uh, ESCOM the ESCOM tariffs has been another one. And the ESCOM restructuring bill has also been a very good, a very effective one. Speaking of which, what do we what do we feel about electricity being opened up, or is this yeah. just another space for corruption to take place? Well, I, in my opinion, I think it's just another space for corruption to take place. If you look at who owns the most of the renewable projects in South Africa, it makes absolutely perfect sense, and that is, of course, for Patrice Mutsepe in his various companies. This is not conspiracy theory. Not conspiracy theory at all. Bakabantu is shaking his head. This is exactly the brother-in-law of the president. No, no, no. no. Patrice spent a lot of money in renewable before, just before the presidency of Sir Ramaphosa in moving into renewable energy. And it's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. It's really not. And Patrice's Bantubatu is also one of the biggest funders of the ANC right now. But he also funds a lot of where these contracts are going. Yeah. Mm. It is. It's like a nest of vipers. But I do. I, I do want to come back, Rob. I do want to come back to um, the written submissions and yeah. how well those do going into in, into making a difference to the policy making. Mm-hmm. And you were just telling us about the responses that you have seen to some of the stuff that you've put through and how that works. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. The responses are good. In fact, when I first started the whole project about five or six years ago. It, people just saw it as a petition and didn't really get involved, didn't offer proper constructive comments. But now the people have got used to the idea of public participation and the comments are getting better and better and better and better. And I think presenting them to Parliament has also helped quite a bit because I give feedback to the participants and they see their comment being being displayed or, or talked about or debated in, in, in the parliamentary committees. And... I think it's, Gareth, you mentioned 
uh, educating the public as to what public participation is and the importance thereof, that is extremely important. That's what I've been trying to do for the past five or six years. I've actually got involved with the public education office now in in national in national parliament to roll out education programs about public participation and educate people as to how to make a comment, how to make a meaningful comment. Mm. Because public participation means providing a meaningful comment on on legislation, not just having your say, but providing meaningful. And meaningful means something that can affect the policy or is related to a policy or that government will consider and go, hey, we didn't think about that. Let's use it. Mr. Rob, I think... I, I, I get what you're saying about public participation, but again, what have you done that has translated to actionable? Like, what can you point at? Like Gareth also asked, what can you point at saying, someone said this and then this happened? Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you bridge that gap? Yeah. Yeah. What has, okay, what yeah. has Dear South Africa said and mm. brought to parliament that has literally influenced government? So, mm. how do we know it's not just another group of people just shoved up in the pile. And it gets, and it gets yeah, put it, aside. Yeah, yeah, it gets put aside. Okay, we heard you, now move along. So, one example of what... Bakhtatara. Bakhtatara yeah. bill. Okay. Which was the t- anti-terrorism bill. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that went out for comment and it was only given, I think it was 15 days for, for comment by the committee, which was uh, chaired by uh, late Tina Jumat-Peterson. Oh, she was terrific. She was. Uh, she was actually fantastic. Great. We wish she was still around to k- yeah. keep doing great things in this yeah, Everybody has bad things to say about her, oh. but I, with my engagement with her, oh. she was She was a marvelous, fantastic. amazing, productive she, human being. I sent her a WhatsApp and I said, there hasn't been enough public participation. When did you send this to her? After she was dead? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no man, we're talking about a success year. story. But you got, the same, story. You, got the, you got the same response. <laughs> she may same. as well have been, right? Actually not. Actually she was the not. one who famously, there's a picture of her with a with teaspoon tea in her mouth. Right? Yes. No. Licking the teacup. Licking the teacup. That's it. Oh, God. Wow. What <laughs> so will we do? We're responded. so bereft. We're so bereft without her. But what did she respond? <laughs> she responded. She said, oh, Fantastic. Thank you for contacting me. Um, We will extend it. And she did. She gave another whole month just to accommodate DSLAfrica.co.za's public participation. So I launched a campaign. She gave you time and she didn't have any. (laughs) Oh, that's wrong. (laughs) Did she know? (laughs) So she gave, gave an extra month. And uh, told the committee to accommodate an extra month's worth of uh, public participation. Ran the campaign. It was about 20,000 people who, who had their say. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she asked me to present the findings to, to the committee. And they, they were stunned. I think everybody said, well, I'll come back with your solution. They invited me back a second time. And then I had to provide my solution to how this Bakhtatarable should should happen. I went through the comments, pulled out the best ones, uh, put my own thoughts into it, and then presented that to to the committee. And we haven't heard anything about the Pactatarabal since. It was just shelved. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a tremendous success. You and see, it was supposed to be sent out by December for the the deadlines for that okay. international. So that's yeah. great news, mm. and and that proves what I've said before, Pumi. It doesn't take all of those unregistered, disenchanted, disenfranchised voters necessarily to make a difference. Just need a small minority of people who do participate actively. I mean, the EFF make way more noise than anybody else, but they're a tiny proportion of the total 
number of people in this country. It's, it's like you just yeah. make the right noises in the right places and you can have an effect. And mm. speaking of the right noises, so w- what is the best way for people beyond just, you know, in front of a computer as well to be able to submit comments? So if somebody is listening today and feels, oh, this is really great, I could do, I have the time, I could really participate in this kind of way. Yeah, you mean are you looking for volunteers or something like that? Yeah. What you other are? way can people You can present them straight to Parliament if you want. It's Parliament's open for anyone to, to present. They also have um, what they call PCOs, Parliamentary Constituency Officers, all around the country. I think there's 50, 52 of them around the country. What they are is just a branch of National, national Parliament. And each member of parliament is assigned to to one of them. So they're supposed to be managed quite well. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek, yes. But you're supposed to be able to go in there, find out about any bills that, that, are being, uh, that have been published and open for comments, and you can submit your comments through there, either orally or written, and it goes through to parliament and it must be considered. Then parliament also do uh, public hearings in certain areas, uh, not on all the bills, but only those that they feel that, that does require it. If they're seeing a huge response in, in written responses, then they put it out to to public hearings. And that's quite, quite a process. But there again, you offered your, the opportunity to say anything. If you don't have internet access, Parliament does have a WhatsApp line. Which, we don't care about people who don't have internet access. They, no, otherwise, don't. they wouldn't be listening to this show. So they, I'm not interested in them. We don't have to worry. Talk about them on another show. Okay. All right. Okay. Scratch that remark. No, but the WhatsApp is an, uh, the WhatsApp is an important one. They've got a WhatsApp line. They've Tell got me a WhatsApp about line. that. Pumi so, loves a WhatsApp. Uh, she's on all the groups, right, Bhagavan? She, she, she loves the WhatsApp line. She loves all the WhatsApp groups. I'm sure she's on that WhatsApp group with all the lists and all the cabinet ministers for sure. Yeah. And you can actually contact them directly, and they're supposed to respond to you. All as right. well, so. Well. But whether they do or not is, is another story. So I'd use a reliable system that actually tracks the, the comments and goes through. Mm. Oh, really, that's, I mean, that's right. the whole reason I put so, it So, I mean, running uh, Dear South Africa for the past five, six years now, mm. uh, which is a long time, mm. what, do you, what, what do you wish you could have built differently or are hoping to change so that it is a little bit more widely accessible and more people can comment? Make it more widely known. You know, although I've got 1.2 million subscribers, it's it's just it's a, a big drop constituency. In the ocean. Yeah. It's more than it would take you to get a seat in Parliament. Yeah, yeah right. You'd probably get three for that number. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my ultimate goal is mm-hmm. to to have somebody from just South Africa sitting in Parliament, and their sole job is to if it's one or two or three people, is to in a non-partisan way, no ideology attached to it whatsoever, sit there, sit on committees, have a proper influencing vote in a committee. Tribune of the people. Of bill, presenting the voice of the people there, submitting private members' bills, changing legislation. What are the main criticisms so of you and Dear South Africa that you hear from politicians, from uh, ordinary people in the, in the public, from the media? What, what, do they, what do they dislike about you and do they have any grounds for those things? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, like steel manning you. I'm steel manning you. I'm steel manning you because I don't think everybody believes in altruism. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, yes. you, you obviously want this country to work, which is not necessarily a selfish thing, but it's also not purely altruistic. 
No, absolutely. So absolutely. it explains itself to me. But yeah. let's say there are people who really don't like you mm. and who really don't like what you're doing. What do they usually say? What, what forms part of their criticism and how do you refute it? Okay, so they, what I get a lot of criticism is sometimes I'll take a hard stance on something. Freedom of speech, I'll, I'll take a hard stance on that. And then uh, some, some leftists will come and say, but you're pushing an agenda of a certain political party or who are, who's paying you and who's funding you and, and so on. And I think that's why I stay clear of, of the debit order thing. I don't want to be influenced by, 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 fun, by funders in any way whatsoever. But it's, it's difficult to uh, convince people that you aren't influenced by some sort of ideology. Because I think we all are. But we are. We all are, mm-hmm. yes. Whether you think you are or not, nobody is totally nonpartisan. You always bounce between one, one ideology or, or, or another. And, uh, but I try to stay neutral. I try to stay neutral on everything. That's why I don't present petitions. And I convince people... It's not a petition. You are free to say whatever you like. You're free to agree, to disagree, or partly agree, or partly disagree, and provide your reasons why. And that's how it's structured. And then it goes through to Parliament. I've got a great relationship with the Parliamentary Committee, so I don't get any it Sounds any like you can there. message uh, Tina Jumat-Peterson. She's dead. Yes. <laughs> and she still responds. And she's back. She still responds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, so look, we've got uh, – 15 or so minutes. Uh, Pumi's got a couple of things she wants to get to. And I know you've got some agenda points you want to bring up too, Rob. Just things we could discuss about what's going on at the moment. Uh, Bakabantu, I mean, you've seen how many fires from across your offices in the CBD? Uh, well, SARS is burning currently. So that's great. <laughs> so they're burning the money. Right. They took the money, now they're burning it. So, yeah, that's really great. One of the biggest SARS offices in the country, Marshalltown Reseek. It's been there since. Oh, forever. That's why I did my e-filing when the first time I got a SARS number. Imagine. Oh, now remember it's just those lovely time. days with e-file. <laughs> so, yeah. And you went there as a young man who I got his first job. Man. You were like, just, oh, I'm going to participate in this country. I'm going to be, a, gonna I'm be, gonna be a, an active citizen. Yeah. And you got there and they took half your money. <laughs> well, they did that. Yeah. But no, no. But in terms of like, uh, back to you, how do you tell the differences for me between Dear South Africa and the fake Dear South Africa? The, the fake one has a big contribution sign. <laughs> on the front page, contribute now. Oh, <laughs> that's how you. T- that's right. how you tell the difference. <laughs> because I went down the rabbit hole of just trying to compare the sites. The one has this big contribution site, and the other one does it. The real one does it. Oh, All right, Pums. No, you know the 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 dear South Africa concept is one that really, really does appeal. But I'm also wondering, and I know you want to talk about other things, but this is my last question about Dear South Africa. Now, Rob's going to have to you, pay for this if we carry on. <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you do when you receive comments that you disagree with? Do you, does that, that ever happen? Yeah, often, often, often. Because that's that's the difficulty. Does Pravin Gordon send you ideas on Dear South Africa? Oh. That would be truly counter-revolutionary of him, wouldn't it? I mean, It'd that would be, be brilliant. That would be brilliant it. if he was secretly sitting in his office with nothing to do all day, just emailing Rob Hutchinson at Dear South Africa, saying, "Hey, how about we make a big state enterprise that can control all the other state enterprises, and I can be in charge, eh?" 
How about that? That would be brilliant. It would be absolutely brilliant. Lots, lots of love, your friend and your comrade. Brilliant. No, no, no. You'd be a PG, so you wouldn't really know him. And then, But then he'd be influencing it from both sides. He'd feel very uh, mastermind and Machiavellian. Oh. Brilliant. If I'm giving you on. ideas, Praveen. I, I know you listen. <laughs> he listens to everything. He does. Big brother. I actually, I actually do that. So if I see a a campaign is going heavily in 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 one direction, say heavily towards the right, I'll I'll send the EFF a message and say, hey, hey, look, you better you get involved. This? Have you said get involved? Yeah. And do they mm. try and balance the side? They do. They do mm. actually. Mm. Yeah. On the land expropriation thing, uh, there's been several campaigns for that. Well, they voted with the FF. They, yeah. <laughs> they did vote with the FF. That's why it it didn't go ahead. The yeah. EFF. They don't talk a lot about that, and neither did the FF put out a poster saying thank you to mm. the comrades at the EFF for voting with no. us. But I'm, I'm sure they would not. Uh, you know, it's in neither party's interest to show just how close they came to working together and what they achieved together. Um, what are the biggest problems you think we have? At the moment, I mean, legislatively, you've brought up, up NHI. Um, what what are the big things that we are on the precipice of in South Africa that we could try to stop? Besides the ones we really discussed, road accident fund, that aren't being paid attention company. to because this is the other yeah, thing, yeah, right? People absolutely. only hear mm. because they're on the government gazette. Unless mm. it is of an interest to a particular media house or somebody mm. over there, then you never really hear about it. So yeah. what are the bills that are currently that we should be looking at and maybe commenting on? Well, look, I think there's there's a whole lot of state reform happening now. And I think the this establishment of the central operation is, is a big red flag in, in my mind. It's going to be a takeover of everything. Um, to me, centralization of power is, is straight from the communist playbook. And we need to look out for what's going on there. Um, there are, the NHI is, is a big worry. How about election integrity? I mean, how about the IEC? Because we, exactly. we have just assumed since 1994 that the IEC is run in a totally transparent and unbiased and independent way, and it really is not. And yeah. we should be keeping an eye on that too because the easiest way to win an election is to just perpetuate fraud. Exactly. And if you have the levers of power at the Ask IEC Nam in Gagwa. your hands, there we go. If you have the IEC in your hands, what do you need to worry about? Absolutely correct. Campaigning, you save so much money. <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? <laughs> well, we, we, the IEC, we kind of trust them, don't we, right? Just like we, we trust. We automatically do, which is wrong. Yeah, but who appoints them? But who appoints them? The, yeah. You see, this is where the question always comes up to: who who are the stakeholders? Like Collins, let's swallow. Yeah. Well, who are the stakeholders? This is this concept that has been lost in South Africa. We are the stakeholders. This is why I go back to the apathy argument. People mm -hmm. need to realize that they are the stakeholders in their country. Politicians do not exist except they call themselves politicians. We should be held be holding them as public servants. That's something that should be happening. Yeah. Which is why. I think uh, when I read about this one South Africa movement, when it first started, when it said empower the people that are actually making change in your community. So if there is a grandmother feeding 10 kids, why don't we give that person resources to feed those 10 kids better? Why don't we give that person, why don't we make her a ward counselor? Why don't we make her... Like because in if that she becomes community. a ward councillor, who's going to feed the kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like she's already making change without without government funding. But so but why don't we empower there are these couple people? Of, there, that is because there are a couple of 
different things that yeah. the state is responsible for. And only one of those things is dispersing funds. Yeah. The other one, which is what we're talking about with Rob, is really about legislation. It is really about policy making. And what you need in spaces of policy making is you need thought, you need legal expertise, and you need research, which is one of the things that those kinds of things we are sorely lacking, which is why we have such flawed bills going through. Because when you do empower people like Makaula, lovely as she is, she is not well equipped to make any of those kinds of decisions. She is not, but she does have the tools to do. Like I grew up with a constitution with a constitution in my household because my mom got one when the first time she voted. Or We all got those pocket we, ones. We all got those pocket uh, ones. I've I got, got in Kosa and in English because yeah. I was English. Every time there's a census, they're supposed to give out a constitution, I think. Mm. So why aren't people... Inter- interacting with our laws, do people know that there are three like branches of government? Okay, three branches that lead this country: the judiciary, the legislation, and the executive. People don't know that. So, what is the point of preaching to people? I think it's more we should change the narrative into educating people. Well, that's this why is I said why we need civics. We need we do need civics. Yeah. We need like people can't be. Are you voting. even listening to me? No, no. I'm saying like <laughs> I do agree with you guys. We we can't be just letting people vote for no Am I reason. Talking to the walls. People should actually know what they're participating in and their vote and what their vote actually means because not voting and voting does do something to this country and it does have an effect and it's not just going to the polls and ticking your ex there mm. you mm. actually need to participate on a daily basis that is on it. what you want to change in this that country is that is it and people don't understand that. that they don't understand that a democracy a system of governance by the people means by the people you have to be involved as people and it's not just going to the polls once every five years. It's not. It's not. As you say, it's getting Can involved. we talk about this quickly, all, all three of you? Um, what do you think about the fact that economists are saying the rand could hit 25 rand to the dollar in the next mm-hmm. little while? Now, we know America is going through its own level of shit. Um, and inflation is becoming a very ugly reality for many Americans. Um, this is because... Joe Biden's administration has just printed trillions of dollars that just weren't there before. And when you inflate something, you're creating false value, which is why they're suffering there. But the spillover is that it affects the rest of the world. Unfortunately for us, we're run even more badly than Joe Biden runs the United States. So our rand, when the dollar decreases in value, our rand does not improve in value. And out of the BRICS nations, we're the worst performing. And out of the developing world currencies, we're the worst performing. So at 25 rand to the dollar, there's no currency we're doing well against. No, there isn't. Let's start exporting right away. Yeah, what? What, need to what do. should we export that we don't already? I mean, what do we have? <laughs> no, this is a very serious thing. We don't yes. have manufacturing. Mm. We don't make yeah. things here. Gareth, I think that's the problem, is that we don't have manufacturing. We use our raw materials and we send them out sometimes at a, a cost which is too low, sometimes at a premium. Yes. But what do we have to sell the world? Like when you are trying to start a business, if you're trying to make money as a, a, an individual in this country, you're a street hustler, mm-hmm. you try to figure out what can I sell? Can I start a little caravan with Mohodu? What can I do? Can I make s- samosas? Yeah. What can I do that adds value to the world economy? And what do you think that is in this country? Because I'm out of ideas. We have cheap labor. Were we going to send people on slave ships? It didn't work <laughs> no, so no, well no. before. No, no, no. We bring manufacturing to this country. 
nets and we develop the industries that exist in this country. Do we, we have the, do we have a legislative environment that is friendly that. to people who want to come and manufacture things here? Yes. You already know the answer. Yeah, yeah. we really know. We have so. Proven Godan, public yeah. enterprises. Right. <laughs> and that's the problem. We need but, to address that legislation problem first, make it easier for businesses to set up manufacturing here in South Africa. Take advantage of the high unemployment rates. Give people jobs in manufacturing. Upskill people. Uh, I know there's an issue with the min minimum wage minimum wage thing right now, which is going up and keeps on uh, increasing. We should get rid of that minimum wage. Well, thing. we've already got an informal economy that pays no attention to minimum wages. Exactly. exactly. Focus on the skills. Yeah, skills development in manufacturing Get, invite other big corporates, global, global corporates into South Africa, set up manufacturing plants here and get everything out here. Bring it all in-house. Trump, Trump used to talk about making America great again by bringing everything in, in-house. That's exactly what Rob, we need to do. Are you saying we should make South Africa great again? Yes, make South Africa great again. <laughs> I would love for someone to make South Africa great again, no, and I'd like it to be us. There's and a the, problem. They are, the, the, you know, they, they are, we do have some levers, right? So if you think about the IDC mm. and what they're supposed to do and what the legislat legislation allows them to do, but we have people in those environments who don't understand that they are not banks, that mm. the job of the IDC is really to, to make big decisions around big manufacturing. It's not about giving 20 small businesses a 20 million rand grant or loan. It really is about big industrial kind of investments. And those industrial investments are also about creating and stimulating the economy. But... I don't want anyone to Keda think... Keda deployment. Deployment. I don't want anyone in the comments to think we're ignoring them this morning. Sanella says, if we are stake, and he actually used the stake picture from the emoji uh, emoji list. If we're stakeholders, as Bhagavantu said, we're rump because we're a bunch of asses <laughs> for these loudmouth politicians at Bhagavantu the intern. So there we go, Bhagavantu. What do you think of that? Any comments? No, we, we are a bunch of asses. Like I've always said, uh, the way we run government and the way South Africa is run is wrong. Uh, government is the highest employer in South Africa. I'm on about this every single day with my friends. We should not be employing people. We should be creating, government should be creating an environment, a sustainable environment for where economy thrives. Economy will thrive anywhere. The, the, the granny who sells muhodu will always sell muhodu if she needs money. If so what you need to make sure is you need to get out of the way so that economy can thrive. And then once that economy starts to kick up, then you can start regulating it. Then you or can just start- just shut up and tax it. And taxes, and, and, and then you exactly. make more money, and you can which do what was you the, want with that. Which was the the big thing about legalization in America, where they like they realized, oh, we already have a weed problem. Why don't we just tax the weed and then get just a, a little well, bit more money? Well, I mean, someone should sit down with the ANC and EC and say to them, listen. If you just change some of your laws, laws. there will be more to steal. Yeah, they, they, they just need to realize that. So what they almost Robert, did yeah. when more Zuma almost sold out half of Durban or half of KZN to the Chinese government, where the Chinese government yes. was not going to upskill the people. The Chinese government was going to build a factory, Chinese-owned, Chinese money, Chinese ran, and nothing. So that's not what we and need in South Africa. The but they import the labor, they import the people, mm -hmm. they take out the minerals, and then they take them out to China, and then they sell them back to South Africans at a premium. That's what so we need to stop. That, so government needs to start like we have these legislations we have all these things but these people are not using our laws correctly so this is why the stakeholders Sanele, need to know the laws 
need to know what they want, need to know who the people where they should yeah, want for. Do we better do that before the only stakeholder need to left know is who Collins is. <laughs> but before Praveen is the only stakeholder left in the game, uh, we better all change this uh, this narrative. All right, well, we're at eight o'clock. Um, I know, I know. Anything you want to add, parting shots? Go ahead, Rob, you go first. You're our guest. Okay, well, thank, thanks for having me on. First of all, it was always good. Let's make let's make a habit of it. Don't waste your time, Rob. Go on. What do you want to bring up? <laughs> Rob, this is the this is your ad break. Tell them where your website break. is. Okay, okay. Get involved, as Gareth, as you've been saying throughout throughout here. It is about educating the public and getting the public involved in in public participation, getting them involved in their democracy. DRSA.co.za. DRSA.co.za allows gives you that opportunity to. All right, I'm going to say this. If you are too lazy and too useless and shiftless and pathetic to get up and to go and vote in the elections, I will not forgive you, but you can make up for that in some way by participating in the way laws are written. Right? And it does make a difference. Thank you. So go and do that. Then you'll be – next time I confront you and you say, well, I didn't feel like voting, I'll say, well, did you at least participate in some of the making and changing of laws? And if you say, no, not really – then I, I may just bury you under rocks like in the Old Testament. Is it people are out here doing things. Thank you for starting yeah. the SAR. Yes, absolutely. The more the merrier. And we need more stuff like that. Put me any parting shot. That, my, that was that's it. my parting shot. Bhagavantu, you never get to say anything. So, I mean, you've only I, got three days on the show. Well, 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 my parting shot, Gareth, is electoral reform. I'm on, I'm on about it all the time. We need to look at how we, this country is run. Electoral reform. How we're running it is not is not working. 30 years, it's not working. What do you mean? Constituency-based system as opposed to party yes, list? Yes, let's move from... Yeah, let's move from a party system. Let's move to a constituency. Individual candidates holding people accountable. Feet to the fire. That's your care, Therese. Mm. Pumi? What do you think of that? Because you were like... Do you think he's right we or you have, think he's wrong? We have one of the best constitutions we have we really do have an an election process that allows the 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 largest number of voices to have representation that's what proportional representation is about i think you just want to because we're not using it properly you think that we need to go back to an old way of of doing things and i i disagree we have we have a a supercar a supercar available to us, and you just want to make it a Ford Mustang. But who's going to drive that supercar? Who's, no one's driving the supercar. No one is equipped to drive a supercar. Pravin. But everyone can drive <laughs> a Mustang. Pravin. <laughs> and he can't reach the fucking pedal. <laughs> anyway, let's leave it that. That's my parting shot. Pravin can't reach the pedals. Okay, everybody have a happy day. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. bright and early, and then it's a long weekend. How nice is that? Thank you very much, Pumi. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Bakabantu, and most especially thank you to you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers.